uh, some good challenges as well. I, I think um, like, a, uh, like a missile zeroing in on its target... Oh, that's not going to work for me. It's, we should check these things beforehand. What a bummer. Adrian, can you just pull the thing out and then put it back in again? It's working? Okay, good. There you go. I love this movie, by the way. So like a, a missile zeroing on its target, God has actually designed us humans to be pleasure-seeking creatures. Now, that's a good thing. So each of us has an inbuilt reward system where you do something... When you do something, your, your brain... Uh, releases a chemical and um, oh dear oh dear alright Adrian I should be good to go there we go your brain releases a chemical a neurotransmitter uh, it's called dopamine that makes you feel good and makes you want to do more of that behaviour again now addictions as we're talking about hijack that reward system um, which is not such a good thing. And over time, a repetition of a pleasurable behaviour makes us go on feeling like, um, like we wanted... Well, uh, 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 over time, a repetition of a pleasurable behaviour makes us go from feeling like we want to uh, do this behaviour to feeling like we need to do this behaviour. So a definition of addiction, then, uh, is when a person experiences a regular loss of willpower to stop. And then when we do stop, well, we have uh, withdrawal symptoms. In fact, we can change fascinating stuff, but we can actually change our brain, structure of our brain, with these repeat behaviours. Uh, it's like a well-worn neurological pathway that we, that we it's trodden down with these behaviours over and over again. And in doing so, what we do is we develop a tolerance, which means we need to do more and more of that behaviour, sometimes to more extreme levels, at a more extreme intensity, to get that same high or reward that we did initially, that we got initially, with the smaller quantities or levels. Now, if that behaviour is destructive from the beginning well, then we can find ourselves in all sorts of problems, uh, financially, emotionally, relationally, uh, um, spiritually. Now, most of us right now probably would be thinking, OK, interesting start, but that's really not me. I don't have, a, have an illicit drug addiction. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not addicted to anything. But addiction is not just restricted to a substance abuse disorder. It can be associated with pornography, tobacco, food, gaming, screens, Netflix, shopping, sex, and of course, our phones, uh, social media. In fact, make time, I think, if you've got Netflix, make time to watch this. Uh, it's called The Social Dilemma, really, really good. Uh, challenges a lot of the ways we think about our use of, our, of technology, and particularly social media and so on. Uh, immediately, it changed the way I use my phone. I can tell you about, a bit more about that later on if you want to. You see, I think it would be terribly unwise to conclude that addiction has nothing to do with me, uh, that I'm immune to it, it's separate from me. 
The reality is many people, including those in our church family, struggle with addiction. So, is there any hope? Is there any hope for those who feel trapped and are suffocating under the weight of, under the burden of their addictive behaviour? Short answer is yes, so we need to keep on listening. Uh, our plan today, folks, is then to use the example of gambling to show us how, to, to help us know and understand the real and certain hope God offers those who struggle in this way, those who struggle with addiction. In your bulletins, uh, you can grab one, they're floating around the room, uh, if you want to get up and get one. There's an outline, it's fairly substantial. I'd encourage you to write a few things down. Um, just take a few, if you've got a pen handy, take a few notes, it helps you to stay alert and awake and helps you to follow things. Um, most of our passages today will be up on the screen, although I will focus on Romans 6 a bit more than the other ones, if you wanted to have that open in front of you. Um, again, we're going to try a Q&A at the end. So, again, don't, don't be shy. If you've got a question or a comment, please share. And I want to say something just before I pray. Um, I know it's been a long introduction. Uh, but it, it, if today brings up... Um, uh, feelings or challenges in your life that that are difficult and that you're wrestling with and they may well do um, please don't sweep them under the carpet uh, please don't ignore them um, please talk to someone uh, talk to a trusted Christian friend uh, please talk to me and um, we can help so let's pray and then we'll uh, get into thinking about today's topic father we um, we thank you for your word to us uh, we thank you, God, for your grace to us, and we thank you for church this morning. We thank you that you've gathered, gathered us here uh, to encourage one another, to hear from your word and to pray to you, and Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to what you've got to say to us and help us to be, be trusting and obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a father shared that his 20-year-old son had come home delighted with just a few coins in one of the pokey machines down at the club, he had won over $1,000. The son's excitement, though, was countered by his father's concern. The father wondered whether the joy of his son's win and the accompanying adrenaline rush might contribute to, the growing, to a growing gambling habit. The son argued his case that this was just for entertainment and that he kept to his limit and that it was harmless, and hey, there's far worse ways to spend 20 bucks on a night out. Elsewhere, Sue goes to the pub three times a week. Well, she's bored, and the pokies fill in her day. Often she loses so much of her single parent pension that her children are not properly fed that week. Aussies love to bet. In fact, the ads even tell us that, and the statistics do as well. You can bet on pretty much anything these days, from sport to politics. Hey, you can even bet on the winner of The Bachelor. And didn't some people lose some money when Bella walked away? Well, was sent away, anyway. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to watch any sporting event and not be told the odds from sports bet. We are the biggest betting nation on the planet. 
by a long shot. Next is sort of Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, between one of those two. According to the latest figures, that's 2017-18, we betted over four, uh, sorry, $242 billion. And the previous year, and notice the rise, the increase, we betted around $208 billion. And it would come as no surprise, therefore, that we also lead the world in money lost. That too continues to rise, and most of that money still today is lost on the pokies. Worked out per capita, the average man and woman over 18 in this country is losing $1,260 per year just on gambling. That's $1,260 that could be going, going towards a person's loan repayments, uh, mortgages, credit card bills, savings accounts, investments, charitable giving, gospel work. And remember how averages work as well. So there are countless people who lose well over this amount each year. So some people will be losing tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, just to a game of chance. Alliance for Gambling Reform, uh, Chief Advocate Tim Costello, fairly well known, uh, he said last year in December, gambling harm encompasses everything from the loss of homes and relationships to the loss of lives through deaths by suicide associated with gambling harm. Unlike most developed countries, uh, here in Australia, gambling is, well, it's actively encouraged, despite the huge damage to individuals and families. In uh, November 2017, the Victorian Problem Gambling, uh, Gambling Foundation found that in 2014-15, the cost of gambling in Australia, in terms of monetary costs, putting everything together, was $7 billion dollars. Seven billion dollars. So that's relationship and family problems, emotional and psychological issues and the help and the care that goes with that. Uh, depression, suicide, violence, all linked to these sort of addictions, financial loss, lost work product productivity, crime and so on. Yet in Australia, uh, gambling is considered acceptable and I think possibly just because of the revenue it brings in to the country. Um, Getting a little bit political there. <laughs> but things are changing. Things are changing, which is a good thing. Very, very slowly, though. The thing about gambling in Australia, though, is it's accessible. Easily accessible. That's mostly due, as I said, to the prevalence of pokies. So you can walk in to any pub or club in this country, except South's Rugby League Club. That's another story, but it's a good story, because they got rid of theirs. You can walk into any pub or club and plonk down on a machine and mindlessly press a button. It's that easy. And gambling affects all sections of the population. Uh, although males aged 18 to 25 are worst affected, and I think especially with the increase in the popularity of online betting, you can bring out your phone, tap away, and you're in. Okay, so what is, what is gambling? Well, let, let's get to a definition. And you can see, if you're following along on our, um, on our sheet, a uh, little outline there, you can, you can see where we're heading. Gambling is placing a bet for the purpose of both a financial win for ourselves and therefore a loss for another. So gambling is quick money making and for every winner, 
by definition, there has to be a loser. That's really important. So how are we going to think about this? How are we going to think about, as, um, as Christian people, if you're someone who follows the Lord Jesus, how are we going to think about gambling? And how can we overcome a gambling habit? And how can we as a church help those who are struggling with it? What hope is there for someone who's struggling with this addiction? The Bible actually doesn't mention gambling uh, directly. So we're going to need wisdom. Now, if you remember from last week, we need to... What do we do for wisdom? We store up God's commands. So we listen to the Word of God. We, we need to turn our ears to wisdom, which means we, we seek good advice. And we'll need to call out for insight. So we need to pray. Here's the first thing we need to say. Uh, gambling is motivated by greed. Uh, it's pretty simple, really. Gambling is about getting more money quickly, without earning it and without being given it. And whether intentionally or unintentionally, the gambler aims to win by others losing. That's just how it works. It is selfish advancement rather than service. A Christ-centred life, well, will want to serve Christ first, or serve others first, Christ first. The Bible speaks often against greed. It's the accumulation of wealth. It points to a heart that loves money. Uh, Luke 16, verse 13, Jesus says, You cannot successfully live for both God and money, and if you try, money will always win out. And so you can see up on the screen, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Jesus says, You cannot serve both God and money. Remember the power of the rich fool. The rich fool in Luke 12, Jesus warns against greed he, that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And this man decided to build more barns, bigger barns, he said, so that I can have more for myself, so that I can remember the phrase, so I can take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And he died spiritually bankrupt, pun intended. <laughs> he died spiritually bankrupt. And then verse 21, Jesus goes on to say, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, greed is also defined by idolatry, uh, something we must put to death. Uh, Colossians 3.5 says... Uh, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Now, advertisers on our TV screens encourage this idolatry, uh, encouraging us to pin our hopes on future prosperity for gambling, pin our hopes for future prosperity on gambling. You might have seen these ads around. Wouldn't it be nice? They ruin a great Beach Boys song. Uh, wouldn't it be nice, they say. Ultimate happiness, they promise. But friends, it's a false hope, isn't it? As Jesus said. God says, you fool. You fool. It'll be taken from you. And where will you be? So once we've recognised uh, the sinful motive associated with gambling, being got to be real with ourselves, it'll be easier to make wise decisions then to stay away. We need to recognise that sinful motive. To think of gambling as just entertainment may be no more than a subtle realisation to justify our selfish desires and or greed. 
Let's think about it from a bigger perspective for a moment. The result of organised gambling is a massive injustice. It is money taken from the poorer and distributed, uh, distributed to the wealthy. So it runs opposed to the biblical ethic of helping the poor, doesn't it? See, throwing a few coins in the pokies on a Saturday night or placing a few dollars on a bet on your phone may seem harmless, but what is actually happening is that you're supporting, just by doing that, you're supporting and growing an industry which harms, an industry which causes harms and especially to the poor. Uh, the odds are always stacked in favour of the house. Someone once said, gambling is a tax on people who are bad at maths. <laughs> uh, whether or not we understand the terrible odds, gambling is not something that belongs to a caring or, or serving society. And so when it comes to investments, well, Christians should avoid investments that, are, that profit from gambling. Instead, invest in companies that have a sound ethical track record and that their growth as a company, and therefore their share price, uh, does not depend on another's loss. Okay, second thing we need to say. Uh, second major reason to avoid gambling, and the first being greed, is because any addiction, like gambling, enslaves. Because gambling is addictive, it is dangerous. Uh, this one might be the big win. This is the one. I I'm due might say to ourselves, or this one will stem all those losses. I'll get back on track, we promise to ourselves. Uh, it's not just building a tolerance or, remember, treading down that well-worn neurological pathway in our brain. Addiction is a slavery whereby someone or something controls or masters you. The hope of financial riches combined with the excitement of a potential win. Remember that, that dopamine hit that keeps you going, wanting you to come back for more. And the momentary relief from pain and boredom works so powerfully to grow an addiction. But friends, the Bible tells us plainly that this is sin at work in our lives. See, sin enslaves us and one of the characteristics of sin is that it is addictive. Romans 6 verse 12 says, Do not let sin reign so that you obey its evil desires. And again in verse 14, Sin shall not be your master. I think most of us can admit that sin does this. That it enslaves. It's habit forming. And quite often it feels good. It releases that dopamine hit, keeps us coming back for more. Addiction is just that. It shapes our whole person sometimes and directs our lives and gambling well matches that profile. Uh, the Apostle Paul expands further the life-entrapping power of sin and its antidote. Let's read um, Romans 6 again. This is the, Brooke read most of this before. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. 
You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery and purity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Friends, the good news is that God is in the business of setting slaves free, of breaking the bonds of slavery. And God is committed to our change and our Christ-likeness. That's part of the Spirit's work in us. Paul is certainly not aware of the recent scientific revelations around neuroplasticity. That's how your brain changes with addictions. It's a new word for you for today. And he certainly, but he was aware of the hope that brings change. Uh, and what he does say is that change occurs from the inside out. You might remember Romans 12 from last week. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. See, too often strategies for, tra- for change in this area, uh, and even religious ones as well, what they'll do is they'll focus on the outside and they'll focus on the externals. They say change occurs from the outside in and then it's going to work. All right? But what does the gospel say? What does God's word say to us? It actually says, God says change occurs from the inside out. That's how change occurs, the renewal of our mind. Paul says we experience change when we begin to allow the spirit to bring our thinking in line with the word of God. Remember, we store up God's commands within us. That's wisdom. And friends, God is committed to that transformation. He's committed to us becoming more like Jesus. Uh, Shame and guilt are often uh, a, a millstone around our neck or the neck of someone drowning and wrestling with addiction. But the Bible tells us clearly that the gospel of Jesus Christ deals decisively with shame and guilt. Remember Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus knocks shame and guilt out of the park. But somehow though, this is what we do. We believe the lie that God's, God has capped the amount of grace that he'll show us. We, we think God has, um, that God runs out of patience. We think that God runs out of grace for us. He can't forgive me again, can he? Well, the truth is there is an infinite ocean of grace that awaits those who turn to Jesus and And friends, God is the God of second chances. Let's consider this little situation, uh, scenario, as we now think about overcoming gambling addiction. You can see in your notes, I've got three little points down the bottom there. But let me tell you about Roger. I chose Roger because I'm pretty sure no one in our church has the name Roger. If you do, I'm really sorry. Maybe you've got a... But it's obviously nothing to do with you. That's Roger, just a, just a bloke. Now, Roger is a church-going man and he's a professing believer in Jesus. But in a hidden way, 
his life is marked by greed. He craved for a gambling win and then achieved his secret dream by betting on a local horse race on his phone. His uh, decent-sized win brought a real high to his life. It was a moment of pleasure in the midst of, of his boring routine. At the time, he was planning to build an extension to his home, so he and his wife borrowed a sizable sum from the bank. He thought he would use a tiny portion of this loan to bet and win again. However, as he continued losing, he withdrew more and more of the loan to cover his losses. In just four months, he had lost over $100,000. Now, he knew the money was not his, yet he couldn't stop. And when his family discovered the money was missing, they were deeply distressed. So what would it take for Roger to break this addiction? Well, the answer, in fact, is similar to the way in which we overcome any sin in our lives. I want to consider three biblical realities. And these are pretty quick. Number one, practice repentance. It's not so easy, is it, practicing repentance? Because repentance means we actually say sorry to God for our sin. We ask for forgiveness and we try to walk a better path, a path of godliness. We turn away from idols and we turn to serve the true and living God. Now for Roger, well, change started with the, that, the recognition that he truly wanted to obey God by stopping the habit. Roger needed to acknowledge the truth of how strong his desire to gamble really was, to call out to God and to give him the strength uh, he needed to fight this addiction. Why is repentance not so easy? Because you've got to be honest with God. That's why. And that's the first step with these things. Part of this repentance was making the choice not to bet. Experts say that step one in breaking addiction is knowing why you want to change. Uh, that's at the heart of repentance, knowing why I want to change. And Roger, had also to, he's also got to take note of the triggers. So what did he do? Well, first thing he did is remove the app from his phone. It's no longer there. I removed Facebook from my phone this week. Wonderful. I now look at Facebook probably two or three times a week. I still got messages, so if that's how you use to contact me, that's okay. Um, but he removed it from his phone. But for others, addiction might be removing or being aware of triggers such as sights and smells and sounds that we have uh, that might trigger the reaction to want to go and bet or whatever the addiction might be. So practice repentance. The second reality that the addict must hear or any sinner must hear is, friends, we've got to hold on to grace. The experience of grace is life-changing. God's love and commitment to us in the midst of our helplessness and failures, it is the kiss of life. Uh, for a life such as Roger's, which became overwhelmed by shame and guilt, it is terrific news to hear that Jesus has appeared and wiped the slate clean. 
instead of writing us off, he has arranged our redemption, our, our, our freedom to come before God and say, well, this is who I really am. Uh, I'm a mess. I'm out of control. I acknowledge my helplessness and I re receive yet again your promise of forgiveness and deliverance. Friends, that is grace. That is God's love for us. Let me read again Titus 2, 11 to 14, where Paul links the receiving of God's grace with the ongoing life change. The experience of grace teaches us that we can live differently. Actually, it's over there, isn't it? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and obedient godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us for himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You see how the experience of grace teaches us to live differently. And I love how that passage actually says, for the grace of God has appeared. Appeared. It's, a, it's Actually, it's a person in Jesus Okay, so there's our first two, uh, practice repentance, holding on to grace, and finally, commit to church. One expert wrote, overcomers belong to a caring community. In fact, community, and, and these experts go on about it all the time in terms of addiction, community is almost always an essential part of recovery from addiction. So doing church is vital allowing a trusted and suitable Christian friend or a family member or a counsellor to share your burden, someone who will gently and regularly encourage you as you turn your ear to wisdom. Remember, that's what wisdom is. And whose presence reminds you that you are not alone. Friends, if we can't find people like that at church, then we are failing at church. Aren't we? Now, Roger... <laughs> experienced deliverance from his addiction. He's not sure of the exact process, uh, but God's Spirit gave him a fresh taste of grace and a new resolution to turn away from what was wrong and he gave him a friend to talk to, a wise friend. He still knows that he's vulnerable when it comes to betting and gambling. And he, needs to, he, he, he knows he needs to build a world outside of the habit another line I heard this week listening to some experts, build a world outside of the habit uh, and learn to control his cravings, acknowledge the triggers. But in all, he's experienced the lasting change in Christ, a lasting change in his Christian life. Uh, like any sin, Roger has to acknowledge that he's not perfect and that he, he may lapse. For many addictions, it's a lifelong struggle. But whatever our battles, there is the extraordinary promise of power and change through God's Spirit. Uh, some people keep pushing their problems to the side and they drift on in misery. But God's invitation to us to change us, to rescue us, is actually on offer every day. What does Jesus say? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and he promises rest. Why don't we pray now and ask, uh, and then we'll have some time for questions or comments if you like. But let's pray. I'm going to show you a video soon too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, your, uh, Lord, your grace and your mercy to us. 
We thank you that, that we can hold on to this grace. And Lord, we pray today for any of us who might be struggling with any form of addiction, uh, whether it is gambling or anything else, some others we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Lord, we pray that, that you would indeed heal us. Lord, that we would know your grace, that would come to you with honesty. And Lord, we'd understand the, the enslavement that is sin like this. Lord, please change us, make us to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.